0: Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everyone. So, today we're going to be continuing a series which is all about budget commanders. These are commanders that are viable and powerful but which fall within a price range of $100 to $250. There may be some interest in like $50 deck lists or less, but these days in Commander with uh, all the demand in the format, it's a little hard to meet that kind of goal. So we're focusing on decks that are more of like a low to mid budget range, but we guarantee that they have some punch to them. Some of the budget builds out there might not be able to compete at your average kitchen table but these are ones that we all think are very strong and can hold their own against well-built decks yeah these decks can kick some butt should be fun if you decide to build them or something like them yeah so last time we talked all about the single color decks the mono color decks and we recommend that you start there because we give a little bit more about the context of what we're looking for what we consider to be good budget decks. And it's also uh, a lot of good decks we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. But in this episode, we're going to be starting on the two color decks, and we're going to begin with the allied color identities. So that means Azorius, Demir, Rakdos, Gruul, and Celesnia. But before we jump into it, I want to tell you about our Patreon page commander theory recently launched its patreon page which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards for as little as one dollar a month you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see and get a shout out in the show's credits if you're willing to give a little bit more you can hang out with us on google hangouts get one-on-one deck advice get your questions answered on the podcast and more so check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory and become a patron today If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base, invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content, which you get to enjoy free of charge, all because you took a few seconds to write a review. Let's jump into the two colored commanders. I want to start by talking about Azorius, and the first commander I want to talk about is Bruna, Light of Alabaster. She is an interesting take on Voltron because she subsidizes auras, which normally aren't that great in Commander. Yeah. (laughs) Auras tend to be pretty weak in Commander because they're card disadvantage in a format about getting the most value out of your cards. The reason she's a relatively cheap Commander to build is that there often isn't a lot of demand for auras because they're not great. Yeah, Yeah. Bruna takes away many of the inherent disadvantages of auras because she gets them out of your graveyard, for example. So Mm -hmm. if they all fall there, you can get them right back and it's no card disadvantage. So that ability to recur auras is something we really want to build around. With this list, I focused a lot on auras that enter the battlefield and give you some sort of benefit. So there are a surprising number of auras that draw you cards when they enter the battlefield. So we're running a lot of those. We're also running a fair number of sacrifice outlets so that once you get all your auras on Bruna, you can get them into your graveyard, get some sort of value along the way, and then the next time you attack with Bruna, you get them all back, and you get those ETB triggers again. We'll start with some of the auras with ETB effects. So Angelic Gift, Cartouche of Knowledge, Chosen by Heliod, Fate Foretold, Flight of Fancy, Classic... Ravnica so Limited Yeah. Pentarch Ward, Sage's Reverie, which draws a card for each aura you control that's attached mm-hmm. to a creature. Stratus Walk, Traveler's Cloak, Unquestioned Authority. All those auras I just mentioned draw you one or more cards mm-hmm. when they enter the battlefield. So that's a ton of way to like churn through your deck. Draw more answers because this deck, you know, runs some like counter spells and uh, spot removal. Mm -hmm. But also just draw you into more auras so you can throw those on Bruna as well. Keep them going. Let's talk for a second about the sack outlets that are going to help you Mm -hmm. cycle these guys over and over. So there's a aura and Teferi's care. They're the exact same card, just flavor shifted. So two and a white for an enchantment that lets you pay white and sacrifice an enchantment to destroy target enchantment. You can also pay three blue blue counter target enchantment spell. So worst case scenario, you can sacrifice an aura to target itself mm-hmm. and then you get it in the graveyard without really accomplishing anything. But if your opponents have enchantments, then you can actually like get some value, control your opponent's board a little bit with this card. I spent so long trying to figure out how to break this card, and I'm <laughs> so happy that there's a deck for it here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is Faith Healer. You want to tell us what it does?
1: Yeah, Faith Healer. So this is one and a white for a 1-1, one, one, uh, I think, human cleric. Yes. And uh, it has sacrifice and enchantment, gain life equal to the sacrificed enchantments CMC. So you play Faith Healer, and then you can eat all of the auras after you hit someone,
0: mm-hmm. gain a huge amount of life so much life and then just attack again Mm -hmm. clause of Gix, not nearly as efficient it's a zero cost artifact that lets you pay one mana sacrifice a permanent and gain one life but still a way to get some measure of value out of your enchantments There's also things like cleansing meditation. Yeah, spicy. So one white-white for a sorcery, destroy all enchantments. And then if you have threshold, instead destroy all enchantments, then return to the battlefield all cards in your graveyard destroyed this way. (laughs) So... That's just a free rebuy on all your, your ETB enchantments. Mm. One aura that acts as a sac outlet for your other enchantments is Lunark Mantle, which is one and a white for an aura enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and has pay one, sacrifice a permanent. This creature gains flying until end of turn. So that'll allow you to get your angelic gifts, your chosen by Heliods into the mm-hmm. graveyard for Bruna to use them again in addition there's also a bunch of ways to get auras into the graveyard either like (laughs) from your library or to get them into your graveyard like from your hand but get value while doing so Mm -hmm. what are some of those options we've got here
1: yeah so you have windfall each player discards their hand then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards discarded this way so if you had two and someone had seven you're all drawn seven there is jace's archivist two two vidalkan wizard for one and two blue has blue tap each player discards his or her hand then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards it's just windfall again and then the super spicy tech that is kind of like classic bruna tech is you play bruna and then you go traumatize targeting myself so target player puts the top half of their library rounded down into their graveyard for three blue blue it's a sorcery so you just flip the top half of your graveyard in your library, attack. And then this card that I love so dearly is Mismiric Orb. It's a two-mana artifact. It has, whenever a permanent becomes untapped, that permanence controller puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. And so you just
0: shred through your library, your opponent's libraries. It's really, really good. And this deck has close to 30 enchantments. The hit rate is going to be about 30%. It's pretty yeah. solid. Two other cards I want to mention really quickly. Cataclysm, two white-white for a sorcery. Each player chooses from the permanence he or she controls. An artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a land, and sacrifices the rest. Because this is a Voltron deck, you're not going to have a lot of other creatures on the board. So sacrificing all your creatures except Bruna is not much of a downside. Yeah, you don't lose much. Sacrificing all but one enchantment just means you get to rebuy all those other enchantments, Yeah, <laughs> get your ETB triggers again, and then getting rid of all but one lands is so good for you. Yeah. Like in a Voltron deck, just wiping out your opponent's mana base so that they're much less likely to be able to answer your huge threat. That's awesome. That's exactly what you want to be doing. And then similarly, but not quite as strong, Mm -hmm. is Tragic Arrogance, which is three white-white for a sorcery. For each player, you choose from among the permanents that player controls an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker. Then each player sacrifices all other non-land permanents he or she controls. So unfortunately, this one doesn't also have an Armageddon attached to it, Yeah, (laughs) but it still works much the same way. You get to keep your Bruna, and you get to sacrifice all your enchantments, and that's exactly what you want out of these cards. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I've played a lot with these cards and Razia's Purification and cards like this, and they're so powerful, mainly for the fact that you know that they're coming and no one else does. Mm -hmm. So you can just wreck a board and just pull ahead so hard when... Like a well placed like Cataclysm or Tragic Arrogance. Uh,
0: also good is Winds of Wrath. Three white white sorcery destroy all creatures that aren't enchanted. <laughs> yeah, that classic can't be regenerated. As we mentioned earlier, auras are not strong in Commander, and most people are not going to be running them or putting them on their creatures. So Winds of Wrath is likely to just leave Bruna alive and then make it so that all other creatures die, which is great. Yeah, that's what you want. Really quickly, I just want to go into some of the non-card-drawing auras in this deck, the things that really make make it hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so
1: classic Battle Mastery, two and a white for an aura, Enchant Creature, Enchanted Creature has double strike. Pretty simple, pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's Celestial Mantle, which is a white aura, three, white, white, white. Enchanted Creature gets plus three, plus three, and whenever Enchanted Creature deals combat damage to a player, double its controller's life total. Solid. Pretty good if you can give it double strike. Yeah, pretty good. Corrupted Conscience, which is three blue blue for a, an enchantment aura. Enchanted Creature. You control Enchanted Creature and Enchanted Creature has infect. It is a mind control, but it's also
0: infect granting in blue. This is very good card. I really like how you can take one of your opponent's creatures and then probably that creature is going to die at some point. Mm. And then you get it back with Bruna. And it's like, okay, now it's on Bruna. Sure, I control her, but she also kills you in one hit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it turns into a one hit clock. There's some fun ones. So uh, diplomatic immunity. I feel like I used to see this card a lot more back when I first started playing, but it's a one in a blue for an aura. Enchanted creature has shroud. Diplomatic
0: immunity has shroud normally if you give your commander shroud then oh i can't put any more auras on her yeah but with bruna's ability like i you kind of get around that by just placing them on her without targeting
1: for all the boggles players out there ethereal armor uh one white for an enchant creature the creature gets plus one plus one for each enchantment you control and has first strike and a lot of people forget about that yeah
0: but yeah it gets huge i've also got some good protection auras Mm -hmm. here so false demise two and a blue for an enchant creature When Enchanted Creature is put into a graveyard, return that card to the battlefield under your control. Mm -hmm. Similarly, we have Fool's Demise, the time spiral riff on False Demise. Four in a blue for an aura. When Enchanted Creature dies, return that to the battlefield under your control. When Fool's Demise is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return Fool's Demise to your hand. Gift of Immortality, Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, similar. Two in a white for an Enchanted Creature. When Enchanted Creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Return gift of immortality to the battlefield attached to that creature at the beginning of the next end step. We've also got indestructibility, we've got octopus umbra, which, in addition to increasing Bruno's base stats a little bit and giving her the ability to tap down stuff, mm-hmm. also gives her totem armor so it's harder to kill her. Yeah, shielded by faith, one white white for an orb with enchant creature, enchanted creature has indestructible, and then some trinket text about moving shielded by faith. Yeah. <laughs> Spectre Ward, Enchanted Creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from all colors. This effect doesn't remove auras. Yeah. (laughs) So those are the best ones. Yeah, those are the big spicy ones. We've got a couple ramp cards, because this is a six drop commander. So you've got things like Apprentice Wizard, Palladium Myrrh, Trinket Mm -hmm. Mage to go get your Soul Ring, Coalition Relic, Worn Power Stone. I think if you were to add money to the deck, it would probably be to try to get more Mana Rocks. Cheap mana ramp in there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, fast mana would probably help a lot. This is kind of funny. You could cut some cost from the mana base if you wanted to, but you could also add cost to the mana base. Mm-hmm. You could put in fetches and other things like that too if you want to really round out the the mana base with this deck.
0: Put in an ancient tomb. Yeah,
1: ancient tomb, that kind of stuff.
0: Uh, a couple other important things is like the haste granters. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this deck is running Hall of the Bandit Lord. This is just. We're going to talk about Hall of the Man Lord of It's a legendary land and it's a battlefield tapped. It has tap, pay three life, add one mana to your mana pool. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, that creature has haste. This is a card that I'd highly recommend purchasing at some point just because it'll help so much.
0: Yeah, especially for a Voltron strategy like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, we've also got Lightning Greaves. Uh, two-cost artifact equipment with equip zero. Equipped creature has haste and shroud. Shroud doesn't matter on your commander because she just plops everything onto her. And then the haste is really important for getting that attack trigger as soon as possible. Yeah,
1: immediately. I'm amazed that we're living in a world where Lightning Greaves is like not a budget card anymore.
0: I know, $7 despite having been printed eight times. Yeah, so nuts. But those are the essentials to the deck. There's also some counter spells and spot removal. But the, the crux of the deck is all about this like aura, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. card drawing, sacrificing engine that just seems like a ton of fun and uh, a very different take on the, the typical Voltron build. I think we can move on now to the next color identity. Mm -hmm. So this is Phenax Dredge or Phenax Self-Mill. Yeah. I like this build a lot. I've talked about it on the podcast before. One of the weaknesses of Mill in Commander is that you have to deal with a much larger deck size and you have to deal with multiple opponents. Yeah. So whereas in 60 card magic, you have one opponent, you have to mill out 60 cards. So things like Mind Sculpt or uh, Glimpse the Unthinkable, they work pretty well at that scale. But when you suddenly have to mill 300 cards, yeah. it becomes much, much harder to win that way. So the idea behind Phoenix Dredge is you're not going to worry about milling your opponents. That's way too hard. You're just going to have to mill the 100 cards in your own library. Yep. So you're going to be turning all of these Glimpse the Unthinkables towards yourself, or like you're going to be running some high-toughness, low-cost creatures like Wall of Junk, Tree of Perdition. Yeah and then using that in combination with Phoenix's ability that lets you mill equal to a creature's toughness, and then turning that towards yourself. There's also some, some minor combos with this Phoenix build. For example, Eater of the Dead is a creature that can exile a creature card a graveyard to untap itself and has four toughness. So there's enough creatures in this deck that you're likely to hit a creature every time Eater of the Dead mills you, so you can untap him and then mill your entire library in one go. Other things you can do, you can use a necrotic ooze when you have a mirror mad phantasm in your graveyard, you mill your entire library because it can't, for some reason, there's no cards in there named mirror mad phantasm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lazav the multifarious works the same way. So there's a lot of ways to mill yourself out really quickly. And then the win condition is actually not lab maniac. Yep. Uh, I actually think that lab maniac has kind of become eclipsed in terms of the most efficient <laughs> way to win when you have no cards in library Mm -hmm. so this deck runs nexus of fate and the great thing about nexus of fate is that when it goes into the graveyard from anywhere not just from your hand or from the stack it shuffles back into your library so once you mill your entire library nexus of fate is going to shuffle back in and it will be the only card in your library which means that once you cast assuming you have seven mana you can cast it and then it goes back into your library and the next turn, surprise, yeah. you're drawing Nexus of Fate again. So that means you can just take infinite turns, and once you're taking infinite turns, you can just use any other creature to mill out your opponents with Phoenix. Yeah. Or you can attack them, whatever. Yeah. You got <laughs> you got options at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a very powerful deck. And the list we have as of the time we're recording this is only $222. And that actually has some room to cut down because when we're building these decks, we're not really cutting corners when it comes to the mana base. Mm-hmm. So we have things on there like Watery Grave, we have Morphic Pool, the Battle Bond Land that itself is like ten dollars. So there's there's some fat to trim if you want to get this down even lower. Like really the most essential parts of the deck are things like Doom Whisper, Necroticus, you've got your Mirmad Phantasm nexus of fate is unfortunately i think it's about 27 dollars now because it's seen play in standard again yep yep. Uh, and unfortunately that one you can't replace that was actually kind of essential to the deck functioning
1: yeah but but again like if you can spend the money on that then the rest of the deck is fairly inexpensive (laughs) there's a lot of cards that just synergize super well with this strategy and then also the The big toughness weird like defenders that you're going to run that have a huge amount of toughness for like two or three mana that you run like that also kind of feeds into the whole plan and like saves you a lot Mm -hmm. on just the overall cost of the deck. Again, like it's always kind of worth it if you're going to get into magic and commander in particular to kind of invest in your future getting these like standout cards. But again, like this deck will work. Just as well, if you do just put in a lab maniac as opposed to a a nexus of fate or something like that, Mm -hmm. like, like the idea of the deck can still work with some other, other tinkering going on. Yeah.
0: Although I do really like that nexus of fate is just much less vulnerable to disruption. Yeah, definitely. Like with lab maniac, there's a danger that they'll have spot removal or that they'll have a counter spell for your reanimation spell. Mm -hmm. But like if nexus of fate gets countered, you don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And then also notable,
1: this is something, honestly, instant Voltron for any deck, but it's especially good here because you're milling yourself. It's just Bone Horde. Some of you probably know Bone Horde, but uh, it's an artifact. It's an equipment. It costs four, and it has living weapon, so it enters attached to a zero-zero germ, and then it gives equipped creature plus X plus X, where X is the number of creatures in all graveyards. So it's like a mortivore you can put on something, and if you're doing budget lists, that's going to carry you pretty far (laughs) yeah and a lot of different budget lists
0: it's it's so much power for not that much mana investment and i just want to point out there's a a couple other expensive cards in here that you can take out if you really want to cut down the price like there's a crucible in this list there's a mismeric orb so by getting rid of those two you're already down 40 bucks like there's there's room to cut there's room to play with we're going to be posting these lists so i recommend that you check this out if this at all sounds interesting to you So, yeah, I think we're going to move on to
1: Rakdos now.
0: These decks are very,
1: like, dear to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least this next one is. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so this is Grenzo, Dungeon Warden. Grenzo is, I think he originally came out in Conspiracy? Is that right? right? Yes. And he costs X black-red, and he's a 2-2, but he enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, and he has the activated ability... Two, put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. If it's a creature card with power less than or equal to Grenzo's power, put it onto the battlefield. Depending on what you want Grenzo's power to be and what power you want to focus on, mm-hmm. you have a deck that can shift drastically. Card is incredibly powerful and at the same time like incredibly modal and you can make this so many different ways.
0: So we have a list here that This is a two power list. Yeah. But it's pretty easy to Build grenzo as a three power commander yeah because like that way you cast him on turn three for x black red and then turn four you can activate him twice yep so there's a couple ways you can build him this one even just limiting him to x equals two or less gives you so many powerful so many cards <laughs> yeah uh there's just powerful etb creatures like you you're getting access to Necrotal. you're getting access to ravenous chupacabra mm-hmm. you're getting access to imperial recruiter yeah there's value cards like crypt gas that'll greatly increase the amount mm-hmm. of mana you have access to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's combo pieces there's kiki jiki mirror breaker you can also like go sort of a huge fat route because like yeah. there are cards <laughs> that have zero power when they're in the graveyard but have a lot more once they actually hit the field so for example ignition team is a zero zero that enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters, where X is the number of tapped lands on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Between all of your opponents and yourself, you're likely to have a fair number yeah. of tapped lands. I've seen this creature be very large before. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot you can do with this commander. There's also some some fun tech. So mm-hmm. you can manipulate the bottom card of your library with scry effects. Mm-hmm. So for example, crystal ball, dark steel pendant. There are a couple effects that put either permanents on the battlefield or cards in your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite tech
1: for this deck is uh I used it in a Zirlin like Mono-red Dragons list too, but there aren't really many decks that can use it as Teljrad Stylus. So it's a one-mana artifact and it has tap, put target permanent you own on the bottom of your library. That pretty much has no place other than like here. <laughs> That's not an effect that you're typically looking for, but in Grenzo you can just keep chupacabraing them or you can can keep eating their um big creatures with big game hunter. You can keep, like, abusing these triggers really hard and just get a ton of
0: value for so little. Yeah, like the, oh, yeah. any of the creatures that sack themselves, like Bane Whip Punisher yeah. is a really good one Yeah, that you can just keep using over and over.
1: Yeah, and Rayto Lantern also is in this list, so that's a two-mana artifact, and it has three put target card from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library. Mm-hmm. So kind of doubles as bad graveyard hate, but also good recursion with Grinzo. <laughs> yeah. This list is red It's, at the time of recording, about $230. That's including, again, some kind of standout cards that we're recommending one of the big ones is a uh, blood moon mm-hmm. blood moon does nothing to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're running so many like two color cards but as soon as grenzo's out like you're pumping all of your mana
0: into grenzo and he doesn't have any colored mana in his activation yeah
1: bonus. yeah so you just end up taking a big dumper on everybody mm-hmm. and not caring at all and continuing to do your game plan Imperial recruiter. Imperial recruiter. That one is obviously incredibly strong and very good in this list. But again, it's still worth money. So if you want to run like Goblin Matron or something in like a similar vein, that's not Imperial recruiter, that cuts pretty hefty chunk out of the deck list cost.
0: We've also got some money in the mana base.
1: Yeah, and again, money in the mana base. We're running like a Blood Crypt. A Mana confluence and some other luxury suite. Luxury suite. Some of the cards that are going to help you over time, and again, like our recommendations, but you can definitely find budget options for them if that is still kind of pushing it for you. So, mm. but again, this list is so customizable and so cool, and. I will always have a fond place in my heart for Grunzo <laughs>
0: and, like, all the degenerate things he can do. Yeah, I also really like that in addition to being able to run Blood Moon, he's mm-hmm. also a pretty good Infernal Darkness commander. Yeah,
1: yeah. So Infernal Darkness, it has great Phil Foglio art, if you're into that. Mm-hmm. And it has cumulative upkeep, pay a black and a life, but it has if a land is tapped for mana, it produces black instead of any other type, and it costs uh, two black black. This card is nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... Oh, and it's not that much money. <laughs> so it's basically shuts everyone else down again in the same way that Blood Moon does. Because it just turns whatever mana anyone makes into black, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, and again, like, Grenzo doesn't care. His activation cost is colorless, so yep. he's happy to, to pay the toll. Yeah, definitely. Next up, we've got Lizolda the Blood Witch. It's one red-black for a 3-1 human cleric, and she has two Sacrifice creature. L'Zolda the Blood Witch deals two damage to target creature or player if the Sacrifice creature was red, and then you get to draw a card if the Sacrifice creature was black. So this is a Sac Outlet commander, and there's a lot of good Sac Fodder in these colors that's not particularly expensive. Yes. It's going to be hard to keep it budget if you run things like Blood Gast or Bitter Blossom. There's still a lot of things like Blood Soak Champion, Reassembling Skeleton gutter bones and then of course there's a lot of red token generation that's pretty cheap like for example uh handwear garrison legion war boss goblin rabble master nesting dragon from c18 Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that you can use to just generate value with lazolda and get a bunch of cards or damage out of her activation this deck also runs things like grave pack dictative Erebos, which are A little bit on the more expensive side, but they are highly, highly effective in this deck. When you have a ton of Sack Fodder and a Sack Outlet, these just generate tons of card advantage for you. Seeing a Lizolda with a Grave Pact out is
1: terrifying, Mm because you just know you're never going to keep anything ever again on the board. Mm -hmm. There's
0: just a lot of really efficient, good removal in these colors. Yeah. So you have access to Abrade, Bedevil, Malicious Affliction, Mm Doomblade, Terminate... My personal favorite, Fire Covenant, yeah. <laughs> which just wipes your opponent's board for very little investment of in mana or very little investment of dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's still relatively unknown. For those who don't know it, it's one black-red for an instant as an additional cost to cast it, pay X life, and then Fire Covenant deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. So you start this format with a, a lot of life, and yeah. <laughs> this is a really efficient way to translate that into cards. There's also a lot of good card draw and cantrippy effects in these colors. Mm-hmm. I, I really like running things like Faithless Looting, Cathartic Reunion, because there's so many self-recurring creatures in this deck. Yeah. It's basically free to discard like a reassembling skeleton or a blood soaked champion to your Faithless Looting. So those are really efficient. This deck, as of the time of recording, is two hundred and fifty eight dollars, but more so than most of the decks we've been talking about, there's a lot of overlap in this deck and other decks you'd want to build in this color identity. Yeah. This deck has a lot of removal, card filtering, card selection, card advantage, that you're probably going to be able to fit into any other black-red deck, and same goes for the mana base. Yeah. This mana base is solid. If you want to get this deck for a little bit less, you can cut out things like Blood Crypt, Phyrexian Tower. Mm -hmm. There's a few cards in there that are double digit dollars if you do want to go the extra mile and invest a little bit more in this deck then it's going to be pretty easy to fit it into other black red decks yeah it'll serve you well for a very long time yeah we're gonna move on now to gruel oh and there are some some very spicy decks yeah. <laughs> available in the gruel color identity so
1: i think we're going to start with Xenagos god of revels that's a name that should inspire fear at your table, especially if you decide to make this list.
0: Yeah. It's so good and so fast. So, for those who don't know him, Xenagos uh, is a legendary enchantment creature god. He is 3 red green for a 6 5 indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and green is less than 7, Xenagos isn't a creature. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature you control gets haste and plus x plus x until end of turn where X is that creature's power. So this is one of the best aggro decks in the format. Yeah. (laughs) This is one of the very few decks that really scales to the higher life totals in Commander. Yep. And plays really well, even with all the board wipes in the format, because it doesn't matter that your opponent's got, like, a Wrath of God in his hand, because they don't really have time to cast it before you drop Malignus and turn it sideways for 40. Yep it really doesn't have to commit much to the board at all yeah all you need is your commander who's himself is very hard to deal with and any threat and that's kind of enough to start killing players yeah because all the all the creatures in this deck are enormously large like the power to cost ratio on all of these is gigantic especially when you double it yeah so can you, can you read out a couple of these spicy little yeah boys? yeah so the we mentioned malignus earlier
1: uh one of the really really Spicy ones is Hydra Omnivore. Huge. 1616 16 is a huge amount of everyone's life total. We have Grun the Lonely King, who doubles his power when he's attacking alone, and so if you double his power twice, all of a sudden you're hitting for like
0: massive damage. Minimum 20, but if you kick him, it's 40. Yeah, which
1: is nuts. Uh, Grothama, all devouring. Starts off as 10 power for 5 mana. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then with Xenagos, he's hitting for 20.
1: Yeah, and th- there's a few others. This I really like this deck for like using Atarka World Render. Atarka World Render is a 6-4 flying trample dragon that gives other dragons double strike when they attack. Uh, her herself being a dragon. And so if you attack with Atarka and she's a 12 10 and then you have double strike you're dealing 24 damage in the air Mm -hmm. out of nowhere (laughs) like out of literal nowhere other things that are really great are like putrefacts there's some other like infect things phyrexian juggernaut phyrexian hydra um, phyrexian hydra these things are huge and basically just if someone is open they're just dead Mm -hmm. immediately and that is pretty hilarious and then uh, Realm Seekers, we use a lot just because it is so good, <laughs> and it has so many like little like niche cases, and it's going to be huge. So it's a six mana, it's a four and two green uh, Elf Scout. It's a zero zero, but it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter for each card in everyone's hand, and it has two green remove a
0: counter to tutor for a land to put it in your hand. So in a typical game of Commander, I mean, if each of four players has five cards in hand. Yeah, you're paying six mana for 20-20, and then it doubles its power. So Yeah, you're hitting for 40
1: easily, like super easily, but that's that's not all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a bunch more fun tech, so Berserk is in this list, and things like Berserk are in this list, Fatal Frenzy, which is kind of the red fixed Berserk, but it still does what you want it to do. It mm-hmm. still gives it plus X, plus O, and, and trample until end of turn. Hunter's Insight. I am such a big fan of this card. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Like, you end up drawing so many cards with this card. It is it is so nuts. Yeah, I, I'm a big advocate for running, like, Hunter's Insight, Hunter's Prowess. Yeah. In just any deck with large creatures, if you have, like, a five-power creature, five mana for five cards, three mana for five cards, that's a good deal. Yeah. And then in this deck, it's more like three to five mana for 20 cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you end up drawing... A bunch of cards off of these. There's
1: other things, so like Tamer Battle Rage is in here, Uncaged Fury. So like cheap things that give double strike out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Savage Beating is in here, uh, which also just can kill multiple people.
0: Oh yeah, in a turn, just Savage Beating Xenagos and any creature. I want to say it's enough to win. Extra combat steps are so good in this deck because yeah. <laughs> you get another Xenagos trigger, so you double twice. Yeah, and then on top of that, giving it double strike for both of those combat. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, you're you're all probably just dead. Yeah, and speaking of extra combats, we have
1: seize the day in here. So, mm-hmm. untap a creature, it gets to attack again. Basically, after this phase, there's an additional combat step followed by an additional main phase. So, you can seize the day, untap one of your creatures, it destroys them. But you really only need to attack with one creature because Xenagos. <laughs> yeah, World at War is here, so that's two extra combats for five mana. Then there's Relentless Assault. All these like really great fun extra combat effects yeah they just end up doing so much damage and then again we have some ways to cheat some fat out so like let's say you do get wrathed and you're kind of low on card size in your hand then you can do things like uh, see the unwritten Mm -hmm. or you can Rishkar's expertise uh, or
0: life's legacy at the end of doubling some creature's power and draw like 40 cards the limiting factor in this deck the thing that you're most pinched on and like the kind of thing you're monitoring every single set for is creatures that are big enough to really be worth the doubling Mm -hmm. well we've listed out like a good 15 cards yeah we've basically listed almost all of them and so that's 15 cards over a hundred card deck Mm -hmm. so you really want to make sure that you have a large enough creature to double with Xenagos. And so the purpose of See the Unwritten is just to stretch that a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Because the one downside of the deck is like, if someone is really able to answer your like single threat that you cast every turn, turn. or if you just don't draw one, then your deck is not really doing anything.
1: So that can be frustrating, but that's kind of just the life of the gruel player. (laughs) Yeah. Currently, the list we have is $250. I think this is more or less just going to wreck forever. If you just build this list, this will be... good for ever
0: (laughs) and it it gets better over time yeah in the last year we've gotten grothama amplifier Mm -hmm. there are still cards being added yeah there's still cards
1: grown, honestly it's like a very good addition to this deck Mm -hmm. and Again, uh, we didn't skimp on mana base, so we do have, like, Firelit Thicket, City of Brass... Stomping Ground. Stomping Ground. So there are some ways that you can make the mana base a little bit more budget.
0: But the the heart of the deck, which is just the expensive creatures, almost all of them are sub a dollar.
1: Yeah, most of them are, like, a dollar rare. You could go to your, like, like local game store, look into the dollar rare bin, and just pull out a bunch of creatures and probably have a good time. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that a lot of people like Commander in general is that you can make a deck out of these bulk rares, (laughs) can play with all these cool cards. So I think we're going to move on to another very, very spicy one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is Wart the Raid Mother. This is the best Fireball Commander. I had to think about that for a second, Mm -hmm. but I think Wart is the best Fireball Commander in the format. Absolutely.
0: I I think. I'm going to say that. (laughs) Like most decks, if you're running symmetrical land ramp, things like Collective Voyage, or New Frontiers, it's a bad idea for most decks. You're giving away so many cards to your opponents, you're giving them so much mana, and they get the first opportunity to use it. Mm-hmm. Wart is interesting because like, it's actually correct to run those in her deck yeah. because she is able to use that mana just way more effectively than yeah. three opponents. Yeah, <laughs> like If your opponents are running highly tuned decks with extremely low CMCs, it's like, okay, cool, you gave me 10 lands. I'll Doomblade, and then I'll play my Nihil Spellbomb. (laughs) If their decks are super efficient, they're going to run out of cards long before they get to use all their mana. A lot of decks don't have a ton of great mana sinks. Yeah. Whereas Wart, when she goes up by 10 lands, she's going to use every single point of that mana, and it's going to be in a squall line that kills everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's
1: going to be a bane fire that just destroys somebody. It's mm-hmm. going to be in a devil's play that kills two different people. Like, it's so much fun. If you haven't seen that happen, it is definitely hilarious. <laughs> so, Wart the Raid Mother is a 3 3 legendary goblin shaman for six. She costs four and then hybrid red-green, hybrid red-green. And she enters the battlefield, and you create two 1-1 red and green goblin warrior creature tokens. And then each red or green instant and sorcery spell you cast has Conspire. And so what that means is as you cast the spell, you can tap two untapped creatures that share a color with the spell. And if you do, copy it. There's a lot going on on the card. Basically, if you tap two creatures that share a color with the spell you're casting, you copy it. And her creatures, the ones she makes, are red and green. Most of the spells
0: you end up copying are red. A lot of other symmetrical effects that this deck can break. Heartbeat of Spring, Mana Flare, Overabundance, Dictate of Karametra. Yeah. And then also like damage doubling effects like Dictate of the Twin Gods or Furnace of Wrath. Those are all much better in this deck than they are anywhere else in the format.
1: Also, you get to run Fire Servant. So Fire Servant, it's a 5 mana, a 4-3 elemental. It's 3 and 2 red. And if a red instant or sorcery spell would deal damage, it deals double that damage instead. So on top of the wart doubling, you double (laughs) again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you can tap it to conspire and stuff like that. So it's just this really silly little piece of tech that destroys (laughs) everyone. Mm -hmm. I really highly recommend running this list. It will be a blast. This one comes to uh, $212 at time of recording. And again, you can save a little bit on the mana base. We got a Stomping Ground and Raging ravine, some like, red-green dual lands that will help you over time. But I understand, like, if you gotta cut it, that's totally reasonable. And honestly, X spells just don't cost that much. Yeah. The only reason that Rolling Earthquake cost as much as it did was because it was in Three Kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Now I think you can get the non-Three Kingdoms one for just a few bucks. Yeah,
0: like, Earthquake effects are not particularly good in any format yeah (laughs) commander included just because like dealing damage to players and killing all creatures are usually like on the opposite sides of the spectrum usually if you're doing one you don't want to be doing the other yeah so it just gets really
1: out of hand really quickly and Kind of like Nick said, these New Frontiers effects that kind of help everybody, you can just abuse so much more, and, mm-hmm. and, and that also is a treat, because everyone
0: kind of looks at you and goes, hey, all right, like, yeah. New Frontiers, and you go, yes, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the first couple times you play this deck, yeah. <laughs> everyone's going to think you're their best pal. Yeah. They'll learn, though. They'll learn, yeah.
1: So we have one more
0: gruel list, because a lot of gruel cards that are good are also not expensive. Mm-hmm. This is a Voltron list, and the commander is Atarka Worldrender, who you may remember from the Xenagos deck. The deck consists primarily of cards that ramp into her because she does cost seven mana, yep. and then cards that allow her to deal double damage by nature of the fact that she has six power and double strike. She's already a two turn clock. If you can just double that somehow, whether that's through a berserk or an inquisitor's flail, you can get her down to a one turn clock. Yeah, you just one hit wonder. got to get her down early. Yeah. You got to give her haste and you got to double damage. But once you do, you'll just knock players out of the game (laughs) left and right. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone who can't deal with you is
1: gone. Just... Dead, <laughs> just just dead. They're gone. So this list is running all of those damage doublers We got Berserk again. We got Fatal Frenzy. We got Overblaze. So that's a fun little arcane card. Mm-hmm. So each time target permanent will deal damage to a creature or player this turn, deals double that damage to that creature or player instead. That's a lot of words, but it's an instant, costs three in a red. It comes out of nowhere, just like Atarka. You go like Atarka, attack you, and then they go no blocks, and you go Overblaze, <laughs> and that's it, <laughs> and um. then it's done insult injury is another uh solid yeah doubler i've ended up using this card so much more than i initially thought i would like just the fact that like it's not telegraphed is actually a lot better than i thought i, I used to think that like oh no i want it around but it's actually like no, I want it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now is when I want to do this. And then, of course, we kind of mentioned before, like we've been running Hunter's Prowess in decks. Like if you're hitting someone for 24 commander damage, if you're Hunter's Prowessing through that also, you're just drawing every card, like half your deck. And then honestly, this deck is running some pretty awesome mana ramp. One that has been terrible and limited and is so good, like I've been running a ton in commanders called Generator Servant. Some of you might remember he's a 2-1 for one in a red. He's an elemental and it has sacrifice generator servant add two mana to your mana pool If that mana is spent on a creature spell it gains haste until end of turn So you kind of have like a one-shot mana generation effect on him But then it gives your creature haste probably your commander probably a tarka So all of a sudden you go from turn two to turn five next turn or Mm -hmm. whatever
0: you need. Four to seven is pretty nuts. Yeah. I would recommend running Generator Servant in any red deck (laughs) with a commander that costs five or more that wants haste. I would run it in Narset. Mm -hmm. I would run it in Heartless Mm Hitetsugu. There's a lot of strong commanders that can really make use of that two mana and the haste. The haste is so good. It's so good. Love this card.
1: The best kept secret. In commander apparently is somber sage it's a zero one human druid for two and a green so three mana and it has tap add three mana of any one color to your mana pool spend this mana only to cast creature spells so i think maybe people look at that and go like oh only
0: creature spells but you go from turn three to turn seven yeah and it's not like you have to have seven drops in your deck to really make use of it like mm-hmm. even if you're running a hyper efficient list where it's just a bunch of one and two drops like you can just spend your somber mana on those and then spend the rest of your mana on turn four on whatever else mm-hmm. there aren't that many mana dorks that accelerate you this quickly so this card is awesome it's cheap it's incredibly good highly recommended i'd also like to point out devoted druid oh yes i'm a, a very big fan of him so devoted druid is one and a green for a zero two elf druid that taps for a green mana and you can put a minus one minus one counter on devoted druid to untap him so he is also really good in green decks with commanders that cost five or more mm-hmm. being able to go devoted druid on turn two and then xenagos on turn three yeah. <laughs> is a very explosive start it doesn't matter if you can only do it the one time it's mm-hmm. still very good Yeah, just all of a sudden there's a thing that has to be dealt with
1: and Mm -hmm. that can kind of just push it over the edge a lot of the time. It's great. There's also a bunch
0: of cool cards in here that I think both me and Nick really like. Mm. I want to talk about the Haste Granners. I'm very, very picky when it comes to Haste Granners. I don't Mm. think that Fervor is really worth running, for Mm -hmm. example, like... Three mana is more than I want to pay. Yeah. But I'm very happy to pay two mana for a Haste Mm Grinner. So there's things like Ashling's Prerogative, which is a two-cost enchantment, one in a red. As it comes into play, you choose odd or even. Each creature with the converted mana cost of the chosen value has haste. Each creature without converted mana cost of the chosen value comes into play tap. So essentially, like... For a deck like this, where you're running a lot of one-drop mana accelerants Mm -hmm. and an odd commander. Yeah. (laughs) Like, all your mana dorks pay for themselves. They, like, generate the same mana that they cost the turn they come in. And your commander has haste. I also really, really like this in Krenko. Oh yeah, <laughs> because like Krenko costs four, and all his tokens have zero CMC. Yeah, so he gets haste. All his tokens have haste. It's awesome. It's very very good. <laughs> and also like it has the benefit of you're most likely running an aggro deck, and half of your opponent's blockers most likely yeah. are going to enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah, so like with krenko like okay so all your one three and five drops are tapped mm-hmm. or like with this one like it's not easy to block a tarka because she has flying and trample yeah <laughs> but the fact that half their creatures and the battlefield taps makes it even harder i also really like dragon tempest which is a two cost enchantment one a red whenever a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control it gains haste until end of turn and then whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals X damage to a tra- target creature or player, where X is the number of dragons you control. So the dragon part, I can take or leave. Yeah, sure, you'll ping something with a Tarka. But really just the fact that it's two-cost Haste Granner for any flying commander is, is very good. <laughs> I've run this in uh, Kalia before. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with it. I yeah. think it's just a, a strong Haste Granner. Yeah, I totally agree. Back when I started the format in like twenty eleven, explosive vegetation, hunting wilds, rangers path, reap and sow, those were all a lot stronger back in the day. Yeah, because the format had a lot more haymakers, like higher CMC. And I think that as commander has grown, it's also experienced a little bit of shift in terms of like CMC. Average CMCs are now lower. There's mm-hmm. a bit more push towards efficiency. So I don't typically run these ramp cards anymore because I don't run nearly as many seven drops in my deck anymore. If your deck is built around your commander and your commander costs seven, then I would absolutely run these, like these ways to jump from four mana on turn four to seven mana on turn five. These are all pretty strong options for doing so. Mm -hmm. Another unusual card that I'm running in this list is Urza's Incubator. Oh yeah. (laughs) So normally that's kind of relegated just to tribal lists, but for this deck... Because your commander is so expensive and your deck needs to have it down as early as possible, I would consider running Urza's Incubator, which for those who aren't familiar with it, is a three cost artifact that reduces the cost of a creature type of your choice by two mana. So if you cast this on turn three, you have essentially six mana to work with towards your commander on turn four mm-hmm. or seven mana towards your commander on turn five. So I would consider running that if you have a deck built around your commander that costs six or more mana and wants to come down as early as possible.
1: And then there are just a few ways to like maintain cards. We talked about Hunter's Prowess or Hunter's Insight to draw cards off of hitting them with a Tarka or something else. There's also card advantage tools in here that are pretty cool. Whole Breach kills two things. It's a classic. So it's a red and a green sorcery. Choose one or both. Oh, sorry. No, it's worded so weirdly. I know. Yeah. It would not be templated this way if it were printed for the first time. I was like, wait, no, I thought it did this. Yeah, it says choose one. Destroy target artifact or destroy target enchantment or destroy target artifact and target enchantment. (laughs) I
0: was like, I thought it does both, but there's pretty much always both on the table. I don't know. You know, it's weird. Maybe it just hasn't been printed recently. I wonder if the uh, Oracle text says choose one or both because it is like so unintuitive the way it's currently yeah (laughs) written i had to stop i was like what what no okay no it's it's just bulleted out yeah yeah weird the the original rule charm i guess
1: yeah (laughs) this list uh currently is coming in at uh 260 ish dollars a little bit more expensive than the other ones but that's an In kind of a large part because a lot of these cards that are in this list are kind of more broadly
0: applicable, I think. Yeah, like Green Sun Zenith, that's Mm -hmm. that's just a format staple. Song of the Dryads. Song of the Dryads is just so good and will just be good
1: forever. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's a card that probably shouldn't be printed, but hey, it is. This deck will kill people very fast and is kind of ridiculous in doing so. It's so silly and big and splashy and if you're into like large numbers and like visceral play
0: experiences this is probably a good choice for you <laughs> i also think it has some political play to it because there is a lot more spot removal running around the format these days especially yeah. like when the thing you're killing people with is in your command zone is telegraphed from turn zero yeah <laughs> but you have the ability to work with people and like whittle down the number of threats you got to worry about yeah so maybe opponent a has a doom blade But then you can always be like, do you have a Doomblade? If so, show it to me and I'll attack player B and kill them. And that's good for both of us. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Table politics changes severely when you are the one with the nukes. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting experience. Uh, This list will definitely serve you well. And again, this is like a list for people who like big effects
0: hitting for large numbers. Like Gruul is very good at that. All three yeah. of the Gruel decks are just like, you're doing things on an enormous scale. Yeah. Like it's very <laughs> Timmy yeah. to be hitting someone with a 40-40 Malignus yeah. or 40 damage Earthquake or something. Yeah,
1: it's great. So yeah, highly recommended. And I think we got one more for you today. So
0: this is the Selesnia list. So this is arabo roar of the world three green white for a five five legendary cat avatar it has eminence so at the beginning of combat on your turn if arabo is in the command zone or on the battlefield another target cat you control gets plus three plus three until end of turn it also has whenever another cat you control attacks you may pay one green white if you do it gains trample and gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is its power. The main benefit of this deck is you can run extremely cheap cats and then start beating for large amounts of damage yeah. <laughs> very, very early in the game. So if you drop, say, an Adorned Pouncer on turn two, which is a 1-1 one, one double strike, Then on turn three, you're hitting for eight damage. This deck also runs some efficient equipment to deal extra damage, really pump the power of your creatures. Yeah. (laughs) So you got things like Imperial Plate, Fire Shrieker, Grafted Exoskeleton. Yeah, classic. Rancor, Duelist Heritage, Inquisitor's Flail. So a lot of things that can just take advantage of the fact that your damage output is going to be higher than everyone else's from almost turn one
1: yeah and so this is like a very narrow reward for building around cats your cats get very large and the fact that it's eminence means that your cats get very large from turn one Mm -hmm. (laughs) so dropping a jungle lion and hitting for five on turn two is much better than i think jungle lion has ever (laughs) done on its own so like you're running a bunch of one two and three drop cats that on their own aren't really anything special but because of Arabo become potent threats basically. So Jungle Lion which I mentioned is a 2/1 one for one
0: green. It's a cat and it can't block. I really like that with this deck you just don't have to commit threats to the board. It's similar to Xenagos in that respect. Although like the benefit relative to Xenagos is that Xenagos really doesn't get started until like turn six without acceleration Mm -hmm. whereas this deck has a lot of one drops has a lot of two drops you're going to get a threat out early and it beats for five your opponents have to do something about it they can't just not worry about this five five coming in at them every turn yeah (laughs) and especially once you start doing things to make it even bigger Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's great that you don't have to open yourself up to a board wipe you don't have to keep committing threats to the battlefield because if you have a cheap creature and you have some way to like enhance it a little bit give it double strike have it deal double damage maybe pump its power a little bit then like that plus arabo is going to be enough that your opponent has to respect it and has to answer
1: it yeah so uh kind of on that front there's some cool tech for this deck so arabo pumps on combat so your creatures are very small until combat happens which means you can abuse a few pretty like potent effects that end up hitting everyone but you so Citywide Bust Sorcery, uh, 1 white white, destroy all creatures with toughness 4 or greater. Dusk, 2 white white, destroy all creatures with power 3 or greater. And then Dusk has the added benefit of being an afterlife card, so it afterlifes as Dawn, which is 3 white white sorcery, return all creatures with power 2 or less from your graveyard to your hand. So kind of refilling at the end of like a bunch of wraths or a bunch of kill spells... Fel the Mighty is similar. Four white sorcery. Destroy all creatures with power greater than target creatures power. So you target your one, two, or one, one. Blow everything up that's bigger. And then hit for four or more
0: on combat. Elspeth Sun's Champion. Retribution of the Meek. Both of which... Can destroy all creatures with the power of four or greater.
1: Yeah. Being able to abuse these like one sided effects like that, or like semi semi one sided in your case, is pretty good. You're mm. gonna get a lot of value out of that. Because you're running a lot of dumb little guys. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're running like step links. Which is a zero one for white and it has landfall get plus two plus two until end of turn. You're running like Sacred Cat, which is a one one lifelink for one and it involves for one white. Means you make a white
0: token a zombie creature of it when it dies. So a bunch of little dorks in here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really great that you can in your first main phase you can abuse these cards that punish large creatures. And then in your second main phase, you can abuse all these cards that reward you for having big yeah, creatures. Yeah, So after you get the Arabo Pump, you can run your Soul's Majesty, your Rishkar's Expertise, your Hunter's Prowess, Hunter's Insight. Yes. So you can run all these cards that reward you for having large creatures and draw a bunch of cards, refill your hand. The white gives you the one-sided
1: wipes, and the green gives you the, the card draw. <laughs> yeah. Currently, the list is at $220 at time of recording. And that's running some cards that, again, will serve you well. So we got, like, a Weathered Wayfarer in here. We're running Hall of the Bandit Lord. Hall of the Bandit Lord is just always going to be good, and I'm so surprised it's never been
0: reprinted. Yeah. (laughs) It's really a, a commander staple for aggressive decks. Yeah,
1: Retribution of the Meek, which I would very highly recommend, is running around like $12, 13 these days. So you could cut some of these cards to make room. Again, the, the mana base has uh, some duels and things that help fix your mana and make it really consistent that you could kind of do a budget version of. If you thought Eminence was something you wanted to play around with, but you didn't want to just combo, Mm -hmm. like, Inala or something like that, and you like green-white, maybe you just like cats, give this a try. It will probably be pretty fun, and you'll be surprised at how much damage you can chip in with, like, a vanilla Mm -hmm. (laughs) 3-1 that you never thought you were going to be playing in Commander.
0: Yeah, Eminence is really good for subsidizing the cards that would otherwise never see play
1: yeah yeah there's a lot of cards in here that i don't think i would ever run in just a regular list there's like loam lion is a one white for a one one but it gets plus one plus two as long as you control a forest it's curd cat as some people called it give it a shot if you like cats there's some of the cat tribal stuff in there But again, like not maybe to the degree that you might want if you're just going to actually go full cat tribal in Mm -hmm. some ways. This is kind of very much like you're sending elite units at your (laughs) opponents as opposed to going wide and hitting yeah. them with a bunch of 2-2 tokens or something like that. Yeah,
0: Arabo definitely doesn't reward you for going wide. And I don't actually think it's correct to run a lot of the cat anthems. So mm-hmm. like Regal Caracol or Raksha Golden Cub, I don't think he's worth running either. Just because this deck is way more concerned with having a threat on the battlefield on turn one and is a lot less interested in like the 5 to 7 drop cats. Mm-hmm. And is also just... This deck just doesn't want a lot of cats on the battlefield. It's really content with, like, I play a threat that you have to answer. Okay, go ahead and answer it. And sometimes that means, like, your single Adorn Pouncer is going to trade with a Wrath of God. Like, it's going (laughs) to... Yeah. The the trades are going to be great for you because you're investing one mana in a threat and your opponent's... Probably investing more mana than that to answer it.
1: Yeah, so very interesting playstyle. I would
0: put it in a similar space to Xenogos, but it plays very, very differently than Xenogos. Xenogos is like you're shooting everything out in one turn. This Mm -hmm. is more like I'm going to hit you for five many turns in a row.
1: Yeah, and starting on the turns where you're like least able to answer this. Yeah. So that does it for today. This list in particular is pretty interesting. We're going to get back to at some point in time the. enemy
0: color pairs and have some more lists for you guys. Yeah, but if there's any budget decks in the allied colors that you know of that we didn't mention today, mm-hmm. anything that you think is competitive and cohesive but doesn't really break the bank, let us know. Like yeah. we're we're excited to learn more about what other options are out there. Again, this is not a comprehensive list. This is just the things that we either have experience with mm-hmm. or that we know about and we'd love to to hear your ideas for doing well in commander without spending a lot of money yes definitely and with that i just want to wrap this up by saying thank you to our patreon patrons they are bradley pollen gustav nyland ryan white king mark tranquilly amon Schofield, and addison sage thank you all for supporting the show and if you are not a patron but would like to become one please check out patreon.com slash commander theory thank you all for listening thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time